Hello and a warm welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for this show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and prioritize yourself, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. Do you have a chronic illness and are overwhelmed with advice or conflicting information? My book Hope in a Dark Tunnel gives you actionable steps to create your path back to well-being and positivity, hope and resilience without false promises. Head to www.hopeinadarktunnel.com. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Hello and welcome. It's Bear from Living Fabulously. And today I have the beautiful Melanie White with me. Now, Melanie, I'm going to get you to introduce yourself because you've got a beautiful list of credentials. Well, thanks, Bev. Um, by training, I'm a biologist. So I studied all things plant, animal and human. And I decided at some point that I needed a career change. So I switched to health and wellness coaching because that was always my passion. And so I guess these days I kind of call myself a habitologist because for me it's it's all about the art and science of healthy habits. And I think one of the biggest challenges we all face in life is transition. You know, if you think about a triathlete, the hardest part of a triath- triathlon is actually the transition from one type of activity to the next. And same in life, you know, it's finishing work at the end of the day and then relaxing and unwinding to go to bed or getting up in the morning and then having to gear yourself up to go to work. So I think we all struggle with those transitions. And I'm really fascinated by the way people deal with those transitions and their habits. So that's a little bit about me and, and what I do. Oh, beautiful. And Melanie, when we've spoken before, and you've been an advanced reader of my book, Hope in a Dark Tunnel, you mentioned that you had in the past had a brush with chronic fatigue. So I guess, is that part of your journey that this is why you're so passionate about this? Absolutely. Um, I think when you are so sick that you can't get off the couch, but you look well and people are looking at you saying, well, what's wrong? Are you really sick? It, it really is, as you would know, it's quite um, disheartening is the word, I suppose. It's, it's really challenging and you realise that health is inside and out. And um, in, in my work, I've really noticed that the shift in the, in the past would have been on the, the activities that we do, but I also realise that the inner work is so important as well. Yeah, and that's why in the book I talk about those four aspects because, you know, you can do all the physical things right. So you can feed yourself well, you can move more, you can sleep well. But if you don't have... The mental stuff. So, I'm talking about the self-talk, the you know, uh, the way that you manage stress, all of those type of things, or the emotional stuff. So that you're not processing emotions healthfully, or you're holding on to old uh, hurts and wounds, that can be a, a problem too. And then the other aspect is feeding your soul. Now, I know you're a surfer, so yes, <laughs> that must feed your soul. It does, and actually, I did want to say I was really, um, I was really pleased that you covered all of those four aspects in your book. 
I think a lot of people don't. They just touch on the medical aspects or the nutrition aspects, but there is so much more to it. And so when I read your book, I thought, finally, someone has covered everything. And, and you can't do one without the other, but it's, it's integrated. And I, and I think you used that word a few times. It's about integrative health. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. So let's talk about some of your tips because obviously you're running a business and you're focused on, you know, helping others, but obviously keeping yourself well and healthy. So what are some of your tips? Uh, I think my number one tip before anything else is that you need to be able to check in with your body, check in with yourself. And I know that you've talked about this too, body scanning and those sorts of things. You need to know what your early warning signs are that you're about to go down the rabbit hole, either physically or mentally, because once you get there, once you go down that rabbit hole, it's really tough to recover physically and mentally. So for me, I have warning signs, like if I feel a little bit anxious or if I'm not sleeping well or if I start getting cravings or if I start getting pains in my neck, then I know that I've got to change things around. So that's one of my first tips is to have, I, I guess, that awareness of what's going on in your body and mind. And if you just do that, it really helps you to then take the action you need to take. Um, and in terms of the actions, I think it needs to be, you know, getting outside. For me, I feel really grounded when I'm out with nature. And I know you love to walk on the beach. Yes. Too. Yeah, to, to be in the garden, to be on the beach, in the surf. Reading a book is great. I'm, I'm a very, um, I express or experience stress really cognitively. So for me, reading a book or listening to music or those sorts of things is my best strategy. So I tend to work my strategies for maintaining balance around how I'm feeling and my energy levels at the time. Yeah, so that's really good. So that using um, your body like an early warning system is just really a great thing to do because I know in the past, so in my corporate executive days, I would have been on those, those signs would have been there, but I wasn't paying attention. And I feel that's part of my journey is that my body needed to stop me in my tracks because I wasn't listening. Mm. So I think that's really important to, to get that right. So are there any other areas that you feel that, for example, getting you off that couch back into the world, what were some of the other things that supported you? Uh, I think I really, and you would have gone through this too, Bev, I really had to manage my mindset. It's easy to fall into hopelessness and a sense of why me and that it's, it doesn't actually take you out of where you are. So I've got some self-talk rituals that I use and some journaling rituals that I use to help me if I'm feeling really low. And I think the other thing is, and something that none of us do, is to ask for help. Like I know you mentioned in your book having a support crew and I think one of my biggest lessons is that it's okay to ask for help. We're not all perfect and we need to know who to call on in different situations. So I have a coach that I, I like to work with. There are a couple of coaches I like for different purposes. I get a massage regularly. Um, I have a great naturopath I can see. I have my GP. So I have a lot of resources around and I know I can draw on any of them um, to help me get unstuck and get off the couch. Yeah, no, that's really important. Is, and I think that's why I spent a whole chapter in the book 
talking about that because sometimes it is physical help. So when you're really unwell, even things like keeping your home clean. So for me, energetically, I love a clean and tidy home. And I couldn't physically do it. I had to make a choice. Was I going to cook or was I going to, you know, just even tidy? And I got to the point where I could tidy one room. But fortunately, I did have support in that area. And it didn't need to be paid support. You know, when, when like you say, when you ask for help, people are really willing. That's what surprised me is I've been so self-reliant that I hadn't been asking people. And just, you know, asking for that, putting your hand up and saying, I need your support or I need your help, whether it's physical, emotional, whatever it is. And sometimes you just need a pair of ears to listen. You don't actually you need to talk it out rather than write it out because obviously journaling you mentioned earlier, but sometimes just a kind ear. Exactly. And, and Bev, I'm guessing that um, for you and, and as it was for me, part of it is letting go of your expectations. Like you used to be this person, this very capable person who could do lots of things at once and then suddenly you're unwell and yeah. you can only do one thing <laughs> and that's a huge adjustment. And you're not used to asking for help. I think that's probably the biggest challenge that it, like even my clients face. You know, they, they will buy a coaching program with me and I say, please, if you need help between sessions, reach out. And nobody does because for whatever reason, they're too afraid or they're too busy or they think, oh, maybe I shouldn't bother her with that. You know. Yeah, I wonder if it's our conditioning as women, you know, that we seem to be really, it's easy for us to give, but it's difficult for us to receive. That's a good point. Yeah. So maybe, you know, between you and I, we'll keep creating these ripples <laughs> that give women permission to, to ask for, for help and support. It's not a sign of weakness at all. Actually, Bev, I wanted to ask you, um, I'm, I'm curious about what your tipping point was for being able to ask for help. Like at what point did you say, okay, I really need to get help? Well, it was first at, the, you know, because I was looking for an answer of what was wrong with me. So I was always asking, searching, you know, open to hearing, um, you know, so the first, that was the first level. But then when I realized that, you know, I had to make choices. So to get out of bed and function at any level, I needed support. And I realized that every time I chose not to, I would be back in bed for a couple of days. So it just, you know, it sort of, it was like a slow learn, <laughs> not a slow burn, a slow learn for me because yeah. of that self-reliance. So I think for me, it was really slowly realizing. And then when I did ask that, oh, the surprise that people are willing to help, that gave me a little bit more confidence to ask for different things. And confidence is so important. Yeah, I mean, so. probably the number, one of the big barriers, apart from being busy or thinking that, you know, you, you're unable to ask, is just getting that confidence to ask for one small favour. It sounds like that might have been something that, you know, allowed you to get more support. Yeah, so it, it, it definitely is. It, and I, look, I think there's also knowing that, that you need boundaries. When people 
offered advice that I hadn't asked for or offered support and took over, that was also then up to me to put up a personal boundary and thank them with gratitude for their kindness, but that actually I was okay with this. So there's this very, I think it's such a fine line between self-reliance and codependence. Do you know? So when you're ill is because people want to also, especially people who love you and are very close to you, and then they start to take over and that can be disempowering. So that's why in the book too, I talk about how to set personal boundaries and, you know, enrolled somebody like Patty Villalobos to write that section because she's the boundaries queen. You know, I know that I've done her courses and learned more about it because I just think it was part of my journey is that I didn't have healthy boundaries personally. I had really good boundaries in business, but not personally. You know, I was saying yes when I meant no and that, that type of thing. So, yes, I think learning also about personal boundaries as part of your health journey is really important too. That's a great point, Bev. And, you know, further to that, you think about how you feel when you're sick, you know, when you don't have energy and the thought of then having to deal with somebody and say no is quite overwhelming. It's like you need to have those strategies, as you said in the book, to be clear on what to do and how to do that, to have those strategies in advance. Yeah, because and... And like you say, it takes practice. (laughs) You invite someone in and then they take over and you think, oh, is it worth even asking for help in the first place? So it's about knowing who to ask. And then um, if if you do feel that pressure, then to be able to to say no or draw that line in the sand. Mm. And Melanie, just something that strikes me too is that we're talking about all these strategies and implementing them and we know that it's baby steps, you know, when you're that unwell, taking small steps towards something is a lot of effort in and of itself. So let's take an example. Let's say, and this is, I think, a common one for both of our clients is they've made a choice to eat healthy food. What are some of the ideas to get back on track if, for example, they've made a choice that's less desirable what are some of the things that could support them to get back on track? Yeah, that's, that's again, for me, I think it's about tuning in and listening to your body because when you eat something that doesn't support you, there's often a cons- or mostly a consequence. And although it seems counterintuitive to talk about negative consequences, I really think that that can help you to make a better decision next time. But something else I've found works really well is that when you do eat well, you notice the positive benefits of that and you reinforce that. It helps you to want to make that choice more often. So either or both of those strategies works really well. But I think this is another area that you can ask for help. You know, if it's if it's a matter of doing some batch cooking or just starting fresh with the next meal, not waiting till Monday, not waiting until you're ready, you know, just saying, what can I do better at the next meal? And so yeah. you're clearing your slate, giving yourself permission to move forward and yes. take the smallest baby step. Absolutely. One meal at a time almost. And I think this is what Delise Lazara said in her interview on Monday, is that part of working with me was actually being planful and organized because we knew there were days sometimes when headaches were so bad that she couldn't 
function, but she knew if she fed, fed herself well, the impact of that headache was long, it was not going to last as long. Whereas if she resorted to just eating whatever was in you know sight, it actually fueled the headache. So I think that's really important. So thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else that you have out of your box of wisdom that you'd love to share today? You know, there's probably only one other thing that we touched on boundaries. And I've, I have seen a lot of people give a lot of themselves away just on any daily basis. And I think when you're constantly giving and not replenishing, then you, you're working from an empty cup. So then when you do get sick, you don't have that resilience. And I've had to learn that the hard way. I, I used to work really long hours and I have a very clear boundaries for myself on the weekend. I don't get on my computer. I don't get on social media. And, you know, I think things like that or, you know, switching off at 5 p.m. I think if we can all just do those really simple things, it's like brushing your teeth, you know. It's something you can, oh, well, I could go a day without brushing my teeth or not do it this morning or whatever. But it's, it's those little things that we do, those simple things that we do that create um, overall wellness and give us a really good baseline so that we have that resilience if something does go awry. Yeah, and you know, for most of us who are entrepreneurs, we are our business. And that's Tash Corbin mentioned this yesterday about, you know, when you have a business like this, is you showing up vibrantly as the best you can each day is what you're servicing your clients with. And so it's important to take care of yourself as well as your business. It's not, it's not an or, it's an and, yeah. you know, so. It's not negotiable. <laughs> exactly, not negotiable. So thanks for being with me today, Melanie. And um, yeah, if you've got any questions for Melanie, please be sure to pop them in the comments below and we'll come back and answer those. And please go to www.hopeinadarktunnel.com and purchase your preferred bundle. And I'd love to see your name pop up. So thanks and bye for now. And let's live the fab life together. Thank you so much for listening. And I would love to know what you enjoyed most about this episode. You can connect with me on Facebook by searching for Living Fabulously with Bev. Or feel welcome to leave a message or comment on my website. You can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Do you have a friend who you think deserves to live fabulously? Spread the love around by sharing the podcast with them right now. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.